What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Mitch Davis Show, Friday, November 3rd. Third podcast of the day. I feel like that is a record. Uh, Jared Reddick, welcome on the Mitch Davis Show again from Inside the Rebels. How you doing? It's basketball season and Oxford. Is that three podcasts in a row today? All yeah, right. I've done three. All right. I've done, uh, let's see, Blake Lovell this morning. We talked SEC basketball. Harold Grayer from the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And now the third and the best for last, Jared Reddick. Best for last. I don't know about that. That's a pretty good company <laughs> out there. Are you ready for some basketball? Man, it's uh, it's been a long offseason, I'll tell you that, especially uh, with everything just being almost brand new, almost. It seems like once basketball season ended last year, the offseason kind of started a month earlier, obviously with you know a coaching search going on, questions about the roster, questions about the schedule, questions about whether players will be eligible for this coming season. It's, it's been a zoo, but so far, man, it's uh, – it's a level of excitement around uh, almost basketball that hasn't really been there in a while. Uh, I think everyone around here is kind of looking for a fresh beginning there, a uh, fresh beginning in men's basketball, and they think they got the guy to do it. So let's talk about this basketball team. Obviously, season opens up on Monday night, which really, truthfully, Jared, I don't know about you, it does not seem possible that basketball has like is here. Like It, it still feels like we're just starting football. Are you in the same boat a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different this year because I think if you look at me last year, I mean, I of course, I I was a primary for basketball last season, but it was also kind of the time where when basketball season was beginning, a team or game or season that already kind of had some low expectations going in. Plus, it's when the football team really started kind of going downhill too. So it was kind of like, okay, you just weigh out this football season, just weigh out what happens. Cause obviously there's a lot of drama around Kiff and Auburn around that same time. And there was a basketball team that hadn't played a game yet, but you know, I think people questioned, uh, you know, did almost didn't do enough to fix its woes, especially offensively. And I think this year it's kind of flipped on its head where you have a football team with a lot of, you know, hype and implications are going into November. Obviously, they're number 10 in the college football playoff. And plus, you have a basketball team who has a brand-new head coach, brand-new staff, uh, a completely overhauled roster, and it just kind of seems like a fresh start there. So it's kind of it, – it's kind of blurred the lines a little bit. But, you know, everyone has football and basketball on their mind equally. So it's been a it's been a crazy uh, month of October. But, you know, I'm looking forward to, to tipping off on Monday at 7 o'clock against Alabama State. Jared, let's talk about this basketball team. And obviously both you and I have talked to the coaching staffs and kind of been around a little bit, but you've been around a lot more than I have. What have you seen out of this uh, coaching staff so far? And is the excitement that is building there around the pavilion, around the program, warranted for this coaching staff? Yeah, I think if you look at just the body of work of what this coaching staff, staff has been able to do, I think it kind of speaks for itself. I mean, I don't recall – the last time that Ole Miss has hired a previous national coach of the year, a coach that had coached at a national championship less than a decade ago, less than five years ago, and with assistants that were there with him during those that Final Four run at Texas Tech, and guys that that Beard has worked with in the past, and everywhere Beard has been, he's turned around a program within two years. Sometimes that first year would be you know a slightly above average year, and then the next year it would all just kind of get figured out and everything would get going, but he's one of where it's been. It was not the most conventional move 
from Austin, Texas to Oxford, Mississippi, but it's one that, you know, Beard is appreciative of getting a second chance. He's appreciative of going back to a place that he's recruited his whole career is going back to, you know, a place that, where he's heard, that he's heard so much about and going to the SEC, which is, which mind you is already stacked with, you know, Hall of Fame level coaching talent with, with players that are some of the best in all college basketball. So, I mean, I think the the body the the body of work that this coaching staff has done speaks for itself. All of them very good recruiters. Um, Ole Miss and Mississippi connections within there. Um, you know, Al Pinkins was an assistant under Andy Kennedy. There's last couple of years there. Wes Flanagan. Um, he coached at Northwest Mississippi Community College. He was an A's recruiter for Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Um, Brian Berg, who was on Beard's staff at Texas Tech and was previously at Georgia Southern, previously a head coach. There, Bob Dunwald, who followed Beard from Texas, uh, and uh, John Riley, uh, the strength and conditioning coach they brought over from Texas. So it's kind of a – and they kept Win Case around, who ultimately kind of kept this basketball program kind of glued together and continuing to play in spite of insurmountable odds based on, you know, the coaching change that happened in the middle of the year. So, you know, I think a lot of – it starts at the top, and I think the staff, you know, is would tell you it's all about the players. And I think that going hand-to-hand speaks for itself and – you know, it's gonna be. It could be a good year in Oxford. Who knows? Jared, I think it was you, or it might have been Tyler Cummins, that wrote the article about Chris Beard's connection to uh, Coach Bobby Knight, a coach that uh, and everybody listening knows that my background in college basketball and knows my dad's background in college basketball. Uh, my dad being from Southern Indiana. Just talk about that and talk about that legacy that Coach Bobby Knight kind of left on uh, Coach Chris Beard and, and how he's going to lead this Ole Miss program. Funny that you say that because uh, when Beard was first introduced as a head coach publicly, and we were all you know introduced to ourselves as media outlets, you know our name, our affiliation. That was the very first question that I asked Beard was about being part of that Bob Knight coaching tree and you know how it's led up to today. And of course, Beard's one of those type of people that yes, he's very appreciative of the people who got him there, but he doesn't leave people out. But there's a special place in his heart for you know Bob Knight. Um, just the idea of preparation and just competitiveness. You know, no great player um, doesn't want to win every every time they hit the floor. They all want to win when they hit the floor. Um, they all, you know, understand, you know, that when you go into a program and they ask you, what do you want? You mean it. You know, don't – you know, Beard tells his players, you know, what do you want? Don't tell me you want to be an NBA player if your actions don't reflect that. Um, you know, don't tell me that you want to win if you're not willing to put in whatever it takes to do that. Um, and – I think when you think of Bob Knight, you think of strict discipline, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's about the players at the end of the day. It's about selflessness. Um, Basketball is a very competitive game, and it brings out the best in everybody, but it brings out the best of everybody in the organization as well. And I think, you know, you can see a lot of that Bob Knight in him and also just the, the pageantry and the love of college basketball. I mean, you can – you know, all of Chris Beard's press conferences so far have been roughly 25 minutes long. And, you know, about a quarter, a little bit over a quarter of those press conferences, when certain things are addressed, it kind of goes into the game of, of college basketball and how much it means, how much the game of basketball means. Love for the game is something that he preaches uh, within this program. So you could definitely see a lot of that. And, you know, I asked the question yesterday uh, about, once again, about Bob Knight and what he meant the game of college basketball, and he nearly choked up talking about it. With he, you know, his, uh, with Bob Knight's son, Pat Knight, um, the family, you know, Karen, um, just how much they meant to college basketball, but 
just human beings in general, how you treat other people, being selfless, uh, never turning down um, someone in need um, and really helping you get through things. So, you know, it's, it's really special. And you could tell that, you know, even without him looking at it, that he's part of a special coaching tree. And Bob Knight certainly has that. Dude, let's talk about this roster, a uh, roster that really, I mean, even without the, the waiver of Musa Cisse, uh from Memphis, Tennessee, the transfer in, I'm probably butchering his name. I've been butchering his name for the last three years. But uh, Musa, who, I, who I'm a big fan of uh, from Lausanne, uh, other than that, I mean, this roster is loaded. I mean, you look at this, Matthew Morale, TJ Caldwell, uh, I mean, Alan Flanagan, the Auburn transfer. Who are these guys that people aren't talking about that you've seen in practice really step up for the Rebels? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think Beard said it himself. I mean, I think this is a wide open, you know, clean slate still. You, you know, we're a couple days from the season opener. And it's a combination, like you said, of a bunch of, guys that are in different situations. Um, you know, obviously Matt Morell entering his fourth season, tried the NBA draft process, you know, maybe could have gone a little bit further. I mean, scouts really love his athleticism, but this year they want, um, you know, his numbers offensively to accurately reflect what they saw there to be more efficient shooting the ball. And so I think you give Morell this type of motion offense to work with where everybody's constantly moving. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts uh, in and out. Um, you know, I think, Chris Beard's kind of offense style kind of branches also from Tim Floyd, who was a, you know, also who tutored Phil Jackson um, with the, the style of offense. I think he could thrive in that it, with, especially with some of the guys around him, like you just mentioned, um, you know, TJ Caldwell um, was, uh, you know, the, one of the true freshmen along with Robert Cowherd, who decided to play a second year at Ole Miss when, you know, other guys transferred out um, a guy that Beard, you know, knows really well from his recruitment being from the state of Texas Um you know, you saw the potential, you know, every five games or so, um, you know, obviously freshman mistakes happen, but the freshman mistakes is just consistency. And I think that's the thing that TJ can do to be one of those guys, like Beard said, that we might be talking about at press conferences from here on out uh, with just very good athletic ability. Uh, he can make open looks. Uh, just an overall athletic guard, kind of a mirror image of Morrell in that regard. Um, but you know, with you know, with he, uh, Jamin Brakefield, obviously the wing who took a drastic step forward because he started his career at Duke uh, with a little bit of a disappointment in his first year um, in Oxford, and then this past season he had a different training regiment, different diet, different mindset, and it really paid off. And he was one, he was probably the best player in almost his roster at seasons in um, last year. Robert Cowherd coming off of uh, a uh, a meniscus tear, which ultimately led to a red shirt last year. Part of that, you know that. Signing class, I was actually, you know, pretty good. If you look, if you look back on it, um, good guys in high school and guys who flashed at Mar Abram is somewhere else now, but part of that group. Um, but the, you know, you have to fill that in, especially with where they were when this coaching search happened. You have to get you know players in the portal, um, and have to wait on a couple of those guys to be eligible. And you know, based on what's gone on recently in college basketball, you know, I think the likelihood is. Very, very slim at this point. We're going to see what happens. Uh, Musa Cisse is the guy you mentioned. Saros career at Memphis, like you said, uh, the Memphian. Um, and uh, Brandon Murray, uh, the transfer. He started his career at LSU and played at Georgetown last year. Uh, one of the more athletic guards in the country. Probably had the best dunk in the entire country last year when he po put somebody on a poster. Just shows you his ability there. Musa is a you know, wrecking ball. as a defensive uh, presence in the front court. But they added on to it, too, with uh, Jamarian Sharp, you know, the tallest player in college basketball last year, the one of the, be the best active shot blockers in all college basketball. 
it's going to be interesting to see how that translates over to the SEC. But, you know, he had six blocks without much effort, really, uh, in their exhibition against Tusculum. Um, so he's going to be a treat to watch. Um, you know, they got Austin Nunez, the guy that Arizona State was a highly touted recruit. Um, you know, but you didn't get to see – you could have seen a lot more from him because he went through a concussion last year at Arizona State, which he was – Having a good year coming off of the bench, but you know he's got a lot of potential. The guy Jalen Juju Murray uh, from St. Peter's, who's played in the Elite Eight game, played a lot of big games at St. Peter's, um, upset Kentucky, I believe, in one of those games. If I'm not mistaken, was a big contributor in that one. But just an overall uh, talented point guard, Alan Flanagan uh, came over as kind of a package deal, but not, not really uh, with his father West joining the coaching staff. Um, a, a guy with a lot of NBA upside. Um, he's you know, a consistent playmaker when he's healthy and he's dealt with some injuries also throughout his career. But, you know, when he's on the floor. He's one of the more athletic guys for his size and for what he can do. He's kind of that perfect hybrid uh, as a player. Um, and then, you know, the freshman class, a couple guys that were left over from from Kermit's class, like Rashad Marshall who was a top player in the state of Arkansas last year, had a really good exhibition game uh, as, as a power forward. Um, you know, Jacob Gazzo, who they got from – who. Played his last year at Briarcrest Christian, originally a Macomb, Mississippi native. Um, and, you know, just guys like that. Um, I think, you know, I think it's going to be important to see whether Murray or Musa gets eligible because if they do, I think depth is going to be pretty good. Um, but I think this is going to be a good defensive team regardless. It's just a matter of offensively, you know, can they keep up with a lot of these teams in the SEC? And, you know, I think it was said that about that last year, but last year the offense – did defense no favors whatsoever last year. You know, the big culprit of last year's demise. But, you know, it's going to be a fun group, and I um, look forward to watching them play. Jared, two more questions I have for you, one basketball, one football. Uh, the other basketball question, the Tad Pad is back, baby. It is back, Sam Houston State game. I'm planning on being there. I know you're going to be there. Uh, how excited are you as a Ole Miss alum and as a guy who grew up around the Tad Pad to – to get back into the tap app for at least a game this season. Yeah, you know, I think when you allude to Ole Miss uh, basketball as a program, it doesn't have near the notoriety that the football program, the baseball program have historically. I mean, women's basketball has a rich history too. Uh, but men's basketball was always kind of in that gray area and was kind of a, you know, a bridge in between the two. But the tad pad was always a fun place to go. It was not a sexy venue by any means. I think it only had, I think, 8,500 seats in it. Um, it, it's very, it looks very antiquated and outdated because it was a very old radio. I think it was opened in, I think the late fifties, early sixties, uh, right in the heart of campus. Um, and I think, I think if you ask, you know, if you ask John Calipari, if you ask a lot of the elite coaches who are in the SEC around that time, they hated playing in the tad pad simply because the crowd was on them. Uh, everything was very claustrophobic. You know, they made a hostile environment just because, you know, it was that perfect, you know, gap in between whether the team was, uh, you know, competitive, good, or even average, or maybe even below average. It was always a, a fun place to go, and I'm glad that beer recognizes just how much. I love the thing I love about beer, and I alluded to this earlier, is he is such a lover of the pageantry of college basketball, and he's and he's done this at other stops. He did this at Texas uh, this past season using the old old arena before they moved into the new place. I think he did it at Texas Tech, too. I'm not sure. They did a lot of throwback stuff in between those previous two stops to honor those who came before them. And Beer recognizes that. He talked about his appreciation for Kermit Davis, his appreciation for Andy Kennedy, his appreciation for Rob Evans, who they'll ultimately be 
kind of honoring at this event because you know Keith Carter played underneath him, uh, Mike White, the head coach at Georgia now, played underneath him. Um, and you know this was something that he wanted to do immediately. That was one of the first things, one of the first, I guess, you know, uh, you know, insider things that kind of kind of caught wind of early on when he was something that he wanted this tad pad game to happen. He was trying to do everything he could to make it happen. And sure enough, it happened. They play Sam Houston State. The game is not televised. Um, that that was uh, that was I think that was a deliberate intention on their part. It's an eight o'clock tip. Um, it, the seating, from what I've you know, from what I've gathered, you know, it's very hard to get into right now, uh, just because it's a smaller capacity in the pavilion. Um, and you know, there's some priority stuff. I understand that has to go in place, but uh, I, I I spent a lot of my childhood in the Tad Pad. Um, you know, my mother. My parents were season ticket holders. You know, of course, my dad didn't really go, but my mom and I went to almost every single basketball, home basketball game, which was really cool um, to especially have that experience with her and have an experience with uh, a lot of my friends who enjoyed Ole Miss athletics and Ole Miss basketball. Jared, last question I have for you is a big old football game at Vault Hemingway Stadium on Saturday morning. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, give me your predictions. Did the Rebels walk away with a win on Saturday? You know what? I, I, I think by if you look at this game on paper, you should say yes, I think Ole Miss, you know, should win it. Um if you look at you know Ole Miss's home record, uh, I think they're nineteen and two of their last twenty one games at Vaught Hemingway. Uh in Texas AM's very poor road record. Uh the past couple of years, especially underneath Jimbo Fisher. I think they're on an eight game road losing streak. I think they actually ironically started with Ole Miss two years ago. Um in, in Vaught Hemingway. But, you know, Defense wins big games, and A&M has a good defense, and I think that's what they found that identity. The top pass rush in the country, good guys up front. Um, you know, D.J. Durkin has done a really good job there, a guy that Lane Kiffin obviously is very familiar with. And D.J. Durkin, when he was at Ole Miss, you know, completely shut down A&M's offense two years ago. Um, but, you know, he just has a lot of talent to work with. And the thing is, you know, offensively, you know, can they avoid Ole Miss's pass rush and and the hot streak that Ole Miss's defense has been on so far? So I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if Ole Miss can take care of the football, do their job, limit the the mental errors, I think you should see a victory. But man, when you get into November, uh, no matter what your mindset is, it, it wears on you. And it's 11 a.m. kickoff, which Kiffin claims in favor that it, that his that, that favors. Ole Miss just because they practice so early in the morning, but we're we'll to see ultimately when it comes onto the field. But I think I think I picked in our fearless forecast prediction. I think I picked Ole Miss twenty four, Texas A and M twenty. I think it's going to be around that spread. Thank you. I really do. Jared, ready? Tell them where they can follow all of your amazing work as always, and thank you as always for coming on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jared E. Redding. You can find all of my articles there. Um, maybe some bad food hot takes every now and then. Um, maybe some uh, traffic, funny traffic tweets. Um, you can go to InsideTheRebels.com or 247Sports.com slash college slash Ole Miss to go to our Ole Miss team site, Inside the Rebels, for all of our Football, basketball, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, baseball, baseball recruiting, and Ole Miss Athletics Hub, uh, the largest site in the market from in content from myself, David Johnson, Tyler Comas. And we actually hired a new photographer recently, too. So we're going to give her a shot. We're real excited. Nice. Inside the Rebels, check it out. Great Ole Miss coverage for all you Ole Miss folks out there.
You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show. Dot com podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, Instagram and Facebook by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show, and also head on over to the website, themitchdavisshow.com. A very, very special thank you to my good friend and buddy Jared writing from InsideTheRebels.com for coming on the Mitch Davis Show podcast today to talk all things Ole Miss basketball and a little Ole Miss football ahead of their big matchup with Texas A&M on Saturday. Again, you've been listening to the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend.